Welcome to Superhost Labs. My name's Sarah, as you all know. Um, I'm one half of the Carwells. Emily is not here with us today, but today we have a very special guest, one of our TikTok besties, Bryce. <laughs> Welcome, Bryce. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Thank um, you for having so, me on, Sarah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being willing to be here and chat with us. Um, so typically I ask people to give themselves a little elevator pitch for listeners who might not know who you are, uh, but your story is particularly interesting. So I want you to take a couple of minutes and just kind of talk about your journey and what brought you to Airbnb, how you started, uh, because I feel like that resonates with a lot of your community and would resonate with a lot of our community. Um, and then we'll kind of dive in from there. Yeah. So my, my journey through Air to Airbnb has been a brief and B out of necessity, I would say, because I had nothing going for me at the time. I'd actually lost my job because I was, I was getting into some pretty stupid stuff. I was in a bad place, uh, for a little while during the, during COVID. And, uh, I made a pretty bad mistake, lost a friendship over it, lost a job over it, ended up homeless. I was sleeping in my car for about two or three days in Tallahassee, Florida. And I was like, all right, I just got to swallow my pride and I got to go knock on my mom and dad's door. And so I drove about 10 and a half hours back to Louisville, Kentucky, where they live, knocked on their doors like, hey, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they were like, well, we'll get like, we'll let you stay here, but you got to figure something out quick. And so about two days later, uh, I got a job working as a dishwasher at a cafe, which was the most humbling experience of my life. Uh, and <laughs> my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is actually uh, a really big, he's big time real estate investor in Louisville. And uh, we were, we were taught, I was talking with him at his house and he's like, man, you got, you got the personality, you got this, you know, you can, you need to get into real estate. And I was like, bro, I haven't psyched. I haven't even signed a lease in the last like six years of my life. I've been going, I've been bouncing around from like, I've been bouncing around from like city to city coaching basketball, coaching college basketball. Like it hasn't even been like sign this. It's been like, here's where you live. Here's your car. Go do basketball things. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, real estate was never a thing in my mind. Business was never a thing in my mind. I didn't even know what equity was. <laughs> didn't even, didn't literally did not know that. And so he was, so, but I was like, you know, fuck it. I have, I, I have nothing else. I'm, I'm a dishwasher right now. Let's try. He says, I'll be good at it. Why not? I have free access to him. So I bought the my real estate course. And then, uh, it took me about three months to get my real estate license and then quickly realized how bad I was at real estate. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not a salesman. I'm not a salesman. I, I, I hate prospecting new clients. I hate all that stuff, but I found within that, within that, I found my knit, my niche of like, being able to form relationships with people who are willing to give me money and then, you know, with investors and things like that, and then go do my own thing and be the risk taker to go and then spend my own money on things. And so once I didn't, I quit my dishwashing job and I didn't have any money coming in. I was still living with my mom and dad. I was like, I need to make something happen. What's the worst that can happen? Hey, I found rental arbitrage with Airbnb. And I was like, that looks easy enough. Let's go do it. (laughs) <laughs> so it's been, it's been a, it's in about two weeks it's going to be one full year that i've gone full that i've gone that i've gone full time into real estate so within that year there's been very many ups and downs 
more downs than ups. Very, very hectic, very stressful, but we're, we're getting there. Yes. Uh, the first year. I have PTSD still from my first year in Airbnb. It was such a train wreck. Yours are, yours are in Fort Worth, right? Your, your arbitrage units? Well, I my very first year when I started, I had one arbitrage property in Fort Worth and it was doing really well. And so I went from one to four properties kind of overnight. But the three the properties, building? no, the three properties that I added were in Dallas. And right. Dallas and Fort Worth are close, but they're two totally different markets because there's just, you know, Dallas is a city of 7 million and Fort Worth is a city of 1 million. So it's just a totally yeah. different demographic. I like Fort Worth better than Dallas. Oh my gosh. I always tell people, don't Dallas my Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> just if any, all of the listeners here, just go to Dallas. You'll love Dallas so much. There's nothing to see in Fort Worth. Let's keep Fort Worth small. Like I love it so much, but Entering that Dallas market, I mean, one, the three apartments that I signed leases for, I didn't run any math on them. I had no idea how to run math on them or analyze them or look at competitors or do any projections, like nothing. I just signed leases, furnished them, and just put them into the world. And then I opened them on March 8th, 2020. And then March 16th, the world shut down. So my entire first year of arbitrage, all 12 months, I put in. $20,000 to get these four properties up and running. And I made $0 for 12 months. Zero, not a penny, nothing. I made, I covered rent and that was it. (laughs) I was like, seriously, how are they, how are they doing now? Well, so it taught me a lot, right? I mean, that, that sink or swim mentality where it's like, I saw it work in Fort Worth. I knew it was possible. Oop, I lost you. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Your screen went away, but it'll probably pop back up. Um, And so that first year, it just, all of a sudden I was like, oh, numbers do matter. Oh, competition level does matter. Oh, there are all these other things that I have to pay attention to. Um, And so throughout that year, I mean, I was trapped into that lease. It was like, my lease was like, either you pay out the remainder of your lease and you can break your lease or you just sit in the lease. And I was like, even if I get four bookings a month, it's like, at least it's going towards rent and it's costing me less. Um, so that entire year, that's when I started with Emily Carwell design and we started designing for other people because I wasn't, I wasn't going to (laughs) scale. Right. I was, I was drowning. (laughs) But that's the the thing though, when starting a new business that I, that I'm especially learning is the pivots that you have to make because of certain circumstances. It's, Hey, this isn't working. We got to do something else. And for you, your design is crazy. I want to use you eventually, but right now you're a little out of my price range because you're so fucking good. (laughs) Thank you. But it's, it's, that's literally what it is. It's like, well, this isn't working. You can either, all right, give up or you can, all right, how are we going to make it work? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think design is huge. Your decision to go design was genius because when it comes to the design of Airbnbs, it's literally everything. Yeah. And we didn't know that at the beginning. I mean, we had no idea. It was like, you know, the only free way to get into Airbnb that everybody talks about is co-hosting. And for for me, I'm like, I don't have the personality for it. Like, I don't want the 2 a.m. phone calls. Like, I don't have the patience to, like, handle people with care when they, like, can't figure out how to open up a door. Like, that just, like, it just sets me on fire. I just can't do it. 
And so I'm like, okay, that's not my strength. That's not where I'm getting in. Like, I'm not going to do anyone's property justice by managing their units. Right. So, and so design was another free way for us to get in where we had talent. We now had a portfolio, even though all of our properties were failing. I at least could say like, (laughs) they're failing. (laughs) They're beautiful, but they're, (laughs) they're not producing any income. Um, and so we just started designing for other people and that's when, you know, mentors started coming into our lives because all of a sudden we had something to offer and bring them value and they all of a sudden were paying attention to us and walking us through how to analyze properties and how to properly Airbnb and how to properly arbitrage and all these other things. But in order for us to get that attention, I had to fall flat on my face and I had to figure out how to add value. So that first year though, whoo, that year is a doozy. My first year for my first property has been vastly different, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the terms of scaling, it has been a process. Cause like you, with my first unit, I didn't run any numbers. Cause like I said, like mm-hmm. I had $7,000 in my bank account. I was living with my mom and dad. I didn't have a job. And I was like, fuck it. Like what else? Worst comes to worst. I'll live in it. Right. And so, and so I did it. And, um, not running a single number, but I looked at the place. I was like, this place has a lot of character. It's in a great location. I can only screw this up, you know? So I, I, so I ran with it and then it's been, you know, the first one has been great decision, but the scaling process has been a challenge. Oop, you're breaking up a little bit. Dang it. I missed that last portion. A, the scaling process has just been a challenge. But like Come the, back. The, can you hear? Can you hear me now? Uh, kinda. <laughs> You're in and out. But anyway, I missed the whole entire part where you were saying the, your your first year was different with your first property, but it was scaling that was hard. Yeah, scaling is the issue that I that I've noticed mainly because I think for me psychologically, right. Because the first one, it was, I have nothing to lose. What's the worst thing that can happen? Mm-hmm. And now that I've got stuff to lose, and I feel you know, there's a, that little piece in my mind that's like, you just got lucky with this one. It's yeah. not going to be like that for the rest. So I'm like, oh, shit. So now, I, like like you, now I have to learn how to analyze a deal. And then when you start analyzing, I'm not an analyzer. I've always been the person that's just like, fucking go. Yeah. And, but when you're growing, when you're trying to grow a business that you, you got to have that element, but you also got to be smart about it. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, uh, the over the over analytical stuff is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> For the birds. <laughs> For the birds. But I do think, I do think though that, you know, you can, you can manipulate data because I did go back to my first property. I was like, I want to see, after I learned how to analyze a deal, I was like, I wonder what the numbers say about this property. And it said like that was going to make $1,800 a month Mm -hmm. off my first property. Gross. Yeah. That has never been the case. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there like, okay, can we manipulate data? And then if you can, what is it? And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going through all these listings that are comparable to mine in the area. Be unbiased, Bryce. Who's better? Who's worse? Who? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, honest to God, I really think I have the best looking listing. Yeah. Pictures, pictures wise, design wise, maybe not, you know, but 
the pictures are better. My title yeah. SEO wise is better than theirs. And then it's like, I'm fairly priced. Um, you know, my descriptions are better because I lay everything out in my description. Whereas like their description is just maybe one sentence and that's it. And I'm like, okay, like maybe you can manipulate what the data says so you can be the outlier and, and we can go from there. Um, yes. So that, that's something that I've noticed. That's something that I'm beginning to notice. Yeah. Well, and I think the further any of us in the Airbnb game get along, um, you know, everyone is like, oh, run your projections in the 75th percentile or the 50th percentile. So you get to be conservative about it. You know, it's this is your fail safe. If these numbers look good, then you'll do well. And for me, I'm like, OK, yes, I see the value. But also, if you know how to be the best on the block, then why not? pitch what the 95th percentile would make because like for us we're working with investors and and sure you want to run conservative numbers of course but we're not we're not coming in at the 50th percentile we're coming exactly. in at the 95th. Like, i know i can beat all you bitches <laughs> yeah, exactly i'm like i'm i'm not only watching my my competition but i'm looking at exactly what their listing has and i'm like how do i match it and then beat it exactly <laughs> so I i'm want... actually i'm actually in my car right now on my way to Cincinnati because I found a place today that I called and they're like, I was like, I gave them the pitch. They're like, sounds interesting. I was like, they were like, when can you do a tour? So I'll be there in three hours. <laughs> and so, and so I'm on my way there right now. And I ran the projections, right? It's a five bedroom house. And uh, when I ran the projections, I was looking, I was like, the rent for this place is only 2,200 a month. We can make mm -hmm. about, six thousand a month it's like huh that that's a no-brainer right and then i'm looking like well shit well there's only like 14 comparables of five bedroom houses but in our particular area they're really not making that much money i was like Ugh. Ugh. but then i'm but, yeah. then I'm going to, but then i'm going to look back and i was like all right what are all these places missing i was like these are five bedroom houses i'm not seeing fire pits I'm not seeing ping pong tables. I'm I'm seeing big ass houses with places to sleep. Yeah, that's it. I was like, if I just throw a ping pong table on that bitch, I'll probably be getting everybody. Yeah, because yeah, I threw a ping pong table so in my simple. first unit. Yeah, it's so simple. Because and it's one of the things when you when you communicate back and forth with guests, and this is why I feel like I've learned a lot through Airbnb, just talking with the people who've stayed with me. What's bringing you to the area? Why did you book my place? And then, right. you know, things like that. And it's the overwhelming response of people who have said, I booked your place only because you have a ping pong table in there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, shit. All right. I'll throw ping pong tables everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, very it's, simple. It's so true. Very yeah, simple. Yeah. I mean, when we're advising people, when we get new design clients and I mean, the most common client we get is either two people, either just one that's brand new to hosting in general and is new to real estate altogether, or two, it's a previous investor who specialized in long-term rentals who's considering turning some of their rentals into short-term rentals. And so, you know, the conversation with them is a little bit heavier of a carry on the front end because you really have to teach them why you're doing what you're doing, why you're spending money, where you're spending money. <laughs> and so for us, we're like, you know, it's nice that we can literally take from AirDNA or Airbnb, they're direct competitors. And we get to say like, here, 
your direct competitor has the ping pong table, has the backyard mini golf, has the whatever else. Like if you want to see this number and you want to see the profits that they're making, you not only have to offer this, but you also have to make it better over here. And it's not my opinion. That's, you know, that's not an opinionated thing that just is what it is. And if you want to get the most juice for your squeeze, you have to match your competitors and then beat them. That's I'm it. Eager, I'm eager to hear your, your your experience with informing long-term real estate investors who are transitioning into short-term. I'm eager to hear your experience with trying to explain that to them. Yeah. So, because I my, mean, because my, my experience has been like, why do we need to do that? Yeah. And it's like, and I'm not good at explaining like off the top of my head. I'm just kind of, cause to me, it's one of those things. Again, it's so simple. It's just like, why not right. <laughs> do it? Just right. do it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that it's, it's a heavy lift. I would say that, you know, 50% of the conversation, at least 50% of the conversations that we have with people, they choose not to pursue Airbnb once they see the cost of what it's going to take to get their Airbnb comparable to their competition. I mean, if they're if it's a long-term investor in a like mid to small tier market like Michigan or like Alabama or like somewhere off the beaten path, not Gatlinburg, Nashville, Austin, Texas, like that's a little bit of a easier bite for someone to chew because it's not going to cost as much for them to compete in the 95th percentile. Mm -hmm. But when we have investors who are in those big markets and they want to compete, but they don't want to spend the money. I'm like, dude, if you don't, especially in these competitive markets, you're just going to fall flat on your face. And at that point, not only are you going to be upset with the end product because you're not going to get the ROI that you want, you're going to be upset with me. Because yeah. I was advising you and I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Like yep. this budget is not going to get you to where you need to be. And I don't want the project period. Like it's, yep. you either have to invest this money or you have to find someone else who's willing to get on your failing ship because it's not going to be your girl. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. I was, we, I'm in the process right now of two long-term real estate investors transitioning to their first property, short-term rental. And they're like, and I was telling them, you need to do this. You need to do this. Blah, 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 blah. And they're like, why do we need to do that? The numbers are saying this. And I'm like, all right. Get my, I'm like, all right, my guy. Like, let me explain something to you real quick. <laughs> yeah. like, the numbers can say what the numbers can say. If you don't provide a quality product, yeah. the reviews at the end of the day are going to speak for themselves. And it's going to fail seven months from now. And like you said, then it's going to come back on me. Yep. I'm, yep. Not, doing that. I'm not doing that to myself. Exactly. Yeah. And we do play a pretty good balance. I feel like we do a pretty good balance of making sure that we're speaking investors language, right? Like the, the bridge that you're gapping is the hospitality bridge where they're going from having an investment property, they collect a check once a month, they maintain it, they move on to all of a sudden you're offering, you're, you're providing someone's vacation and how someone feels about their vacation is much more emotional than how people are treating their everyday home when they need a place to rent. Correct. And so, so for us, we're like, look, not, you know, we have to put the guests first. This, that's a shift in mindset where you have to kind of detach from the numbers for a moment and attach yourself as a guest to that experience. But also there is, you know, a play on making sure that they're putting their money in the right places. So, you know, you, your investors don't want to be spending money on unnecessary things. And when you're doing properties long term, you're really just paying attention to the finishes and making sure that the house is livable. 
And that's like secondary in Airbnb. Yep. It's like an Airbnb, if you have crappy carpet and you have money to either buy the ping pong table or replace the carpet, I'm going to tell you to buy the ping pong table and put a rug over the carpet because the ping pong table has an ROI attached to it. The yep. carpet does not. Correct. 1, so, so that's, yeah. So that's kind of the game that we play where we're like, I think investors immediately feel like because we're designers, we want to like spend excessive amounts of money on things that don't need the amount of money that we want to spend on it. And that's not the case, which in a normal narrative for normal interior designers who are dealing with everyday people in their full-time home, they can have that emotion factor that they get so attached to a pillow that somebody loves that they will spend $150 on it. Like that's not the case with Airbnb interior designers, at least us specifically. Right. We're like very strategic about where we put your money because we want the bulk of your money to be spent on the things that are going to drive traffic yep. and then turn drive more money. And what do you and what do you think in the design process for your all's for your all systems? Do you think do you, where do you put the most money in your design pro- process? Um, amenities, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, and I mean you know there is. It's amenities and then it's wow factor and then it's carrying it throughout the rest of the house. So for us, like I said, we look at the competition. We look at what your competitors have as amenities. We start on that front where I'm like, this, these are non-negotiables. You, If you want to compete in the 95th percentile, you have to have these. Then we're going to make sure that we have enough seating for how many people you have in there. We're going to make sure you have adequate you know, beds and and bathrooms and things like that. And then we're going to get into the nitty gritty. How do we make this feel homey? And how do we add that personal touch? And, but that's really the last thing. It's like, okay, with the money that we have left over in our budget, how do we still make this feel very personal after we've spent all of our money on all the amenities? Yeah. Yep. So, and it's, it's a science. I I mean, now it's a science. It really is. is. Do you, do you put like, I've, I've noticed this one lady, she was like, I'm just going to buy everything, blah, 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 blah. I was like, all right, cool. I go, yeah, go do your thing. And she bought a couch that was, that felt like cardboard. And I was like, ah, okay, we need to, <laughs> we need to, we need to work on that a little bit. I understand that you want to go as cheap as you can right there, but understand like people are going to sit on that and do exactly what I did. I'm like, oh, you know, like, that's, <laughs> that's not going to, that's not going to be good. You know? So I, yeah. I, agree. I, I, I kind of have a reverse I may be a little bit different in where I put my money with the design process. Like I like to have a good quality couch, you know, first I kind of like focus on that type stuff first. And then, because I don't want to, I don't really want to focus so much on the amenity, even though I understand it's important, but I'm more of, let me spend all my, the most money on like the couch comfortability, the mattress comfortability, and then let me go and like try to just find a ping pong table for free. Or, uh, because, because that's how I found my ping pong table. I was walking down the street. A guy had it in his driveway and I was like, Hey, can I have that? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, sure. <laughs> I was like, oh, bet. I was kind of just joking, but I'll be back in two hours. <laughs> and, so, and, yes. and so, and so, so, but like this, once I figured that out though, once I, that happened, I was like, let me go on Facebook marketplace real quick. 50 bucks for a ping pong table, a hundred bucks for like a Miss Pac-Man machine. I was like, Oh shit, you can find so much stuff here. Yeah. So, yeah. Folks like, Let me spend the majority of my money on like getting a good quality couch and a good quality mattress and then try to piece in the amenities as much as best I possibly can. And at the end of the day, yes. if I have to spend $200 on a ping pong table, so be it. Because like you said, there's an ROI attached to that stuff. I'll make the money back. It's all good. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah, that those are the two furniture pieces. Those and the dining room chairs also play. Really? Probably, yeah, third in there. But mostly it's just because we have to be particular about the dining room chairs that we pick because... For example, on Wayfair, like you look at the weight capacity on those dining room chairs and a lot of them that you buy on Wayfair are like 200 pounds. And I'm like, especially for (laughs) Texas. Especially yeah, if you're, if you're like, <laughs> like, like over 70 people out there, man. Like, yeah, like over 70% of my guests are going to be over 200 pounds. Like these chairs are going to die tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> it's not going to be yes. a thing. So, and that, and that's, an, yeah. and, see, and that's exactly, that's another thing too with, you know, just why you need to buy good quality stuff is because there is going to be wear, like the turnover, the amount of people that are coming in there, just the wear and tear, it's got to hold up or else you're going to be yeah. spending ungodly amounts of money having to replace the stuff yeah oh my gosh absolutely so on your first investment how much did you spend to get that first investment up and running and then on the back end as you're scaling how much are you budgeting for furniture and decor and getting it up and running now well the second question i have no idea the third but the, <laughs> to answer the first question uh i think i spent around like sixty eight hundred dollars initially but I mean, I thrifted a lot of stuff and used a lot of my own stuff. So it's probably be like, I use, I have two TVs in there. Both of them are my own personal TVs that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I got lucky. Like, I got lucky with a lot of stuff in the design, in the furnishing and design process. Uh, my first unit, a lady had just bought a queen size, like a really nice queen size mattress. Never been used before. She's like, I, I actually don't need it anymore. Do you just want it? I was like, yeah, how much? She's like, 60 bucks. I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's like a $300 mattress that I got for 60 yep. bucks. Um, two, both TVs were free. I found the free ping pong table. Uh, I yep. had a place, I put, I put a PlayStation in there that was mine. I got it for 75 bucks anyways. PlayStation goes in there. Um, but I think, yeah, $6,800. And that's with like the, the deposit, the rent, the, the licensing and all that stuff included. Uh, but I, I went thrifty, like my, my, the bedroom, the bedroom TV stand, I actually made out of cinder blocks and wood. <laughs> yes. Thing, but, but the thing is though, like it looks cool because it was, it's an industrial vibe that we got going on the whole unit. What's more industrial than cinder blocks. You know what I'm saying? And it looks cool. Yep. I dress it up in like Christmas lights. And so you can plug it in and it brightens it up. It looks, it actually looks cool. After I got done making it, I was like, I don't know where this is going to how this is going to look. But after I got done making it, I was like, I fucks with this pretty hard, actually. Like, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to start selling on... this shit. <laughs> exactly. But I didn't, I didn't skimp on the, I didn't skimp on the couch. I bought a $500 couch. It, it could, you know, turn into a bed. Um, the coffee table and TV stands, like I didn't skimp on that stuff. The, 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 the decor though was actually, was cheap. Cause I went to Goodwill. Mm-hmm. I made a big old like record wall that I got at Goodwill. I got like a thousand, like, like probably fifty records for like sixteen dollars, and just <laughs> taped them up there. I went dumpster diving. I found this piece of artwork in a dumpster that was really unique, really cool. It's like a kid blowing bubbles. It's blue. Mm-hmm. It stands out. And I was like, I'm gonna go get that. So I went dove in a dumpster and got it. You know, so <laughs> got that for free. And uh, I made a dartboard in there. This is my favorite, right? I made a dartboard. Uh, I got $30 worth of corkboard, painted it black, and then I painted every local restaurant on it. 
and I put oh, it on cool. there. Oh, cool. Okay. I, then I put, I gave it darts, and I put it on there. Like, where you throw is where you go. Where do you want to, like, where do you want to eat? Where you throw is where you go. That's amazing. So just, you know, try some creative, like, bring out some more color, cheap, and something fun that can, like, take the guesswork out of, like, the biggest question you're going to ask while you're on vacation. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. What's around? Like, hey, here's the best restaurants in town. Pick one. You got You can only go to one. Yeah. Here you go. You know, so yeah. my initial design, but, and then I went to like, I, I got my night tables from like Goodwill as well. They were $10 filing cabinets that <laughs> I, I cleaned out. I sanded them down. I painted them black. They look great. And it matches the industrial vibe, you mm-hmm. know? So there was, there was a lot of places where I did skimp, but also made it part of the experience. And, yeah, you know, definitely. so, but the issue again was scaling. Like you, like it took me a month to do that. That was going to be my next question is how long it took. It took me a month to find everything and do everything. There was also mm-hmm. a reason I was like, I didn't, I, my, my, de- my definition of decorating is like making sure the dishes are done. <laughs> yeah. Very much like you said in that one video you had, you're like, Trust me, he's, he's living below his means. And it was like, respectfully, <laughs> respectfully. My mom was like, is she making fun of you? <laughs> so I was like, shut up shut up <laughs> but <laughs> i don't like i i sold my I, I don't have a bed anymore i sold my bed yeah. like just so i can make room for storage and and so like i don't decorate i don't do any of that type of stuff so it was very challenging for me because as soon as i signed the lease i was like I got, okay i got a furnish i was like what colors go together <laughs> yeah it's a whole thing <laughs> and so i took a whole month of july to get it ready uh, and so in the terms of scaling, you obviously can't take a whole month. We're, if we're trying to get 10, if we're picking up 10 units, we can't take a whole month. We can't take 10 months to get them ready. Right. You know, so it's, we can't go, you can't go thrifting. You gotta, you gotta have to your, like you, like you, your second question, the budget for everything, where are you going to get it? What's it going to look like? All that type of stuff. So that's a process right now that I'm learning where I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, call I call somebody you. else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a problem and I don't have the solution. <laughs> hey, so I, if, I you, really uh, if you sold your bed, what are you, a couch sleeper? I'm a couch sleeper. <laughs> My husband's the same way. If I'm I, like not home, he sleeps on the couch. The only reason I have slept in a bed, like an actual mattress, in the past... six years mm-hmm. was because I moved back in with my mom and dad and they wouldn't let me sleep on the couch. They're like, you're either taking, <laughs> they're either, you're either taking the guest room and having all your stuff in there or you're not staying. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I genuinely don't like, I just, I don't want to sleep in the bed. I just don't, I don't yeah. know what, I don't know what it is. I just prefer the couch. Yeah. I went through a phase in college where I had the top bunk of a bunk bed and just, uh, whether I had had too much to drink and I couldn't get up there or what it was, I just like, ne- I just got into this habit of sleeping on the couch every single night. And I was like, I live here now. This is it. And it's, well, even then, like living there, I think that, I think a big reason why I don't want to sleep in the bed is because I like the nomadic lifestyle. Just having, kind of having the, the peace of mind, right? Hey, I can just get up and go, you know, yeah. it's all good. It's all good. I'm a minimal, I'm a minimalist at heart. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, you're preaching to the choir there. So it's, it's, 
my car is making a weird noise right now. Um, <laughs> it, but I'm a minimalist at heart. So I just like, here's my couch. Here's my blanket. Here's my pillow. That's all I want. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, so when you first got in started in real estate and I guess now as you're kind of growing it and you're learning more about investing in general and, and how do you grow your money? Um, have you dabbled in any other ways to grow your money? And if so, why do you continue to pick real estate versus other things? I don't know anything else. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I feel that <laughs> I've thrown, I've thrown, uh, cause getting into real estate investing was already hard enough. I didn't understand that. I, I was never taught, you know, like you, like conservative parents, very safe. They were both teachers, small community. They never taught us. They were great parents, by the way. It's, it always seems like I'm shitting on my parents. I'm not. They're great. I love them to death. But they never taught me money. They yeah. never taught me about it because they didn't do it. You know, it was right. very practical. It was very safe and all that type of stuff. So it just I just had, a, a you know, the inkling in, the, in my mind to not want to do anything safe. And but I was also I was always fighting that demon of like, I want to be risky, but my mom and dad have taught me this. And so eventually you know, I had to become my own person. It's like, no, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Um, and because like my brother-in-law told me about real estate, I was like, I'm just going to throw it into real estate. I'm now dabbling in the crypto world. Obviously mm -hmm. I've released an NFT. So crypto needs to be a thing. Uh, but I still yeah. don't even know any, I, I still don't know, understand everything about crypto. Like, no, I don't understand anything about crypto, to be honest with you. It's just like, Hey, Bitcoin and Ethereum, like, you know, they, they seem pretty good. Let's throw, let's throw some money in there one day, you know, but, uh, but it's been real estate just because, you know, it's a, it's a need and you're always going to need it. You know, you're always going to need it. There's always going to be people who want it. And, and it's just something that it seems easy enough to understand once you actually yeah. break it down, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I'll ever really go. The only thing that I will ever invest though is, my money into further as I go along is me and my business. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't have faith in anybody else's business, you know, cause I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing every day. Like, so it's like, I know what I'm going to be doing every day. I'm going to take any bit of money that I can and throw into me because yeah. you know, that's all you, that's who else can you rely on? Honestly, honestly, that's been a hard lesson to learn all the way around is it's like the further you get along, people will make crazy promises and, and have all these wild ideas and you know it's the next big thing and the further Emily and I get along we realize that like at the end of the day one it's not nearly as satisfying if other people earn you money as it is to earn your own money um, and two nobody's gonna prioritize you like you're gonna prioritize yourself so it just exactly it is what it is you have to figure out what you love doing and continue to do that because otherwise you're gonna be miserable your whole life if you're trying to have other people do it for you or if you're trying to chase something that you're not passionate about you've Correct. You've got to find some synergy there. So um, also an interesting thing, one interesting point that you made is that both your parents are teachers. Both my parents are teachers as well. I feel like we had similar childhoods. We definitely had similar, similar childhoods. And the only thing, okay, the only thing that we're probably going to have different is like my dad was a teacher, right? He played it safe. My parents were an interesting dynamic. My mom, my mom grew up like pretty fucking rich. Like her okay. dad like, owns banks and shit and all that. My dad grew up literally in the poorest region of America. Oh, okay. Yeah, Where is that? The Appalachian Mountains in eastern Kentucky. <laughs> All right. Way out there. <laughs> literally, he grew up in the poorest region of America. So 
to his standards, like, you know, he made, like, he made it out. He made it out, you know, by becoming it, by going to college and becoming a teacher. He didn't, he wasn't confined to the coal mines like his dad was. Um, the thing about, the thing about my dad though, is that he is a, he is a born entrepreneur. He just didn't have the mindset of actually going out and doing it. He was more focused on just like creating yeah. a good life. And he didn't want to, he's like, I wanted to, he was a basketball coach too. That's how I ended up getting into it. And I always asked him, I was like, you're, you're actually a really good coach. Not just cause you're my dad, but you actually, you teach the game, you break it down. You're, you're good with the community. Why didn't you try to get into college ball? He was like, I didn't want to be divorced and I wanted to raise my kids. That's why. I yeah. Did. And I was like, all right, great answer. And, but fair. <laughs> once he retired, you know, now he's got his pension. He's making that money. He's good for the rest of his life. He needs something else to do. He got a sales job where it's, he can, he's all commission, work whenever you want to. The motherfucker is killing it. He's a born <laughs> salesman. He's a born salesman. And so I'm just like, man, if you just did this for your entire life, what are we talking about? And he was like, yeah. I, would, I didn't want to rely on that. He said, I like the safety, I like the security, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, so I had, I was able to see him be able to do that. I'm like, okay, there's something there. There's something there. But I realized that what he did was like, he was really good at building the relationships and the connections. And like, he's like, once you do that, cause he was raising money for our basketball team. I was like, why don't you, ra- <laughs> cool. I was like, why don't you raise the money for the family and not the basketball? <laughs> right. <laughs> they taught me. But yeah, they were both conservative parents. Didn't really teach you the, the, the power of money and how it works and all that. So I kind of had to just like find it on my own, you know? Luckily, social media is a thing. Social media can teach you a lot of stuff. Oh my gosh. Literally every... That's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, I, I'm not really a reader. I'm not really... A, like, I just got on social media and just consumed the hell out of some content at the beginning. Because kind of like you, I mean, my parents weren't entrepreneurial. Like... Well, I shouldn't say that. It's not that they weren't entrepreneurial. It's just that they wanted the safe route. Like they wanted the pension. They wanted the 30 year career. Um, And now that both of them are retired, like now my dad works for me and building the Airbnbs, like doing all the renovations for the properties because they can travel full time. And so I'm like, look, just live in the property and just do the work and you can live there for free. Like, yeah, it's totally up to you. And so he does that. And now my mom is kind of part of an MLM called Octavia. It's like a diet program um, because she was a health and PE teacher her entire life. And she's just so good at making those connections as well. And now she's kind of got this sales role. And she's like so annoyed because she's like, Sarah, I worked 30 years as a high school PE and health teacher. She's like, and in two years of this, I'm making more money than I ever did teaching. She's like, what? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Yep. Uh, yep. Welcome to the club, mom. I'm glad you're having your second wind really it. late. <laughs> Unfortunate, but hey, at least they found it, though. You know, at least they found and it. And there's something to be said about having a pension. Like, you know, they're they're sitting well having with that, two pensions. Well, yeah, having that having that security where, like, hey, no matter what, I'm good. It, it's got to be nice. Yeah, it does have to be nice now. But that it, that just sounds boring to me. Yeah. Oh like, my gosh. I'll take, yeah. I'll take this. I'll take the stress. I'll take the like the sleepless nights and just like overthinking over just being like confined to one area for the next 30 years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and so I had another podcast before this with another guy who's in real estate and he made a really good point where he was like, look, 
You know, real estate is one of those monsters that you get to control to a certain degree. He's like, because when you reach, he's like, you can reach a level like Grant Cardone and you can, like when you figure out the game, it's it's rinse and repeat and it's really just the the yeah. larger number that you're starting with and the larger number that you're ending with. Like it is just a numbers yep. game and, and you can kind of decide how large or how small you want to be in this real estate world. He was like, for me, he's like, I always wanted a pause button, like that was my goal is whatever avenue I took in real estate, I wanted to be able to pause, go live my life for a minute, yeah. and then step back into it and get to continue making money. And I feel like, you know, for people like us who are kind of free birds and want to roam and don't want boredom and, and just want to be wherever we're passionate about, um, that's kind of the beauty of this is that we can step away yeah. from it for a minute and then we can come right back to it and we can yeah. always put food on our tables because we have this toolbox of real estate stuff. Exactly. A thousand percent. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I've got another question for you. Um, what are some current obstacles that you're trying to overcome in your short-term rental game? Like what are the challenges that you're dealing with currently? How long you got? How much, <laughs> how much more time do you have? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> like here's, okay, here's the biggest, here's the biggest obstacle. I'm dealing mainly majority, like 99.9% .9 rental arbitrage. Mm -hmm. Increasing rent rates and people who have done this model in complexes already, who have done it illegally or poorly or whatever, have has made has made it difficult to get into buildings. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, whereas, you know, Dallas is a great is a great example, it's so saturated. Because everybody knows, because everybody wants to go there, everybody wants to be there, yada, yada, yada. And because of that, there's now low supply and rent rates can skyrocket. And so now it's like, okay, I can make $5,000 a month here, gross, but my rent is $3,500. That doesn't really make sense. Right. You know, uh, I, was, I was actually, I found a place in Nashville the other day who's going to let me arbitrage. And one bedroom apartments, we're going to make me at the average, mind you, $7,000 a month. Ooh. You know what the rent was? I don't know. 6,100. <laughs> and so it's like, and so it's like, okay, it would make a great property, but it doesn't make sense. So the increasing rent rates are like really hurting the arbitrage game. And, but then on the flip side, I've had, I've contacted a lot of people who have said, I've done this before. The guy was, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not doing it anymore because people have done it the wrong way or were dickheads or something like that. It's put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths about the rental arbitrage way of doing things to where it's like, well, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm not him. I'm not him. B I operate in the 90th percentile. Mm -hmm. C I want to form a partnership with you to make your life easier and they, they just won't go for it. Yeah. You know? And so you can give them all, you can give all the character references that you want. Some people like, it's one of those things like once you get burned once, you're just like, nah, fuck it. Yeah. I'm not doing that again. Yeah. And so that has been, that has been an ongoing issue that I've seen. Uh, but it's, you know, at the end, but it doesn't matter what, at the end of the day, with rental arbitrage, it's all a numbers game. How many people in sales in general, how many people are you contacting to get, or you, you got to contact a hundred people to get two maybes and a yes. Yeah. You know, so but uh, the the increasing rent rates though are probably the the biggest challenge just because they're getting so expensive and how you know 
for if you're make if you know if you're making seven thousand dollars a month downtown Nashville and you own the place, great. Right. You know, great. But if you're arbitraging, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens with the arbitrage model as rents continue to rise because, you know, all of my leases just renewed in March, all of them went up by at least a hundred dollars a month in rent. And that hurts, right? That hurts profit because yeah. it's not like like I'm not going in and revamping these units like it doesn't. And hotels now especially are getting really competitive because they have the margin to lower the rates so they can compete with arbitrage properties. And so now it's like, you know, since arbitrage typically, you know, is one bed, one bath or two bed, two baths, and they're in direct competition with hotels, it's becoming much more difficult to have that value add to justify charging more than a hotel does because there is a larger gamble as a guest getting on Airbnb as to whether you're going to get something that is hotel quality or not, because there are still crappy hosts. I feel like, yeah. like Airbnb, when they just released that, you know, the, the new regulations and they're prioritizing the guests and they're saying, Hey, you know, if, if there's dirt, if there's bugs, if there's whatever else, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a malicious act on host. I think it's Airbnb's way of really trying to push out bad hosts like there, yeah. there will be fallout for good hosts. Like we will get the short end of the stick in some case scenarios. But I think across the board, like if, if you're running a pretty tight ship and you're prioritizing your guests and you're offering a quality experience, whatever downside comes to you from that change is probably not going to put you out of business. Whereas if you're a really crappy host, it will probably put you out of business almost oh, immediately. You you won't make any money. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it kind of cleans up Airbnb. I feel like Airbnb and short-term rentals in general need to be cleaned up a little bit. So there's not all these like random, like let's get rich quick scheme. Like let's not prioritize the guests. Let's just like offer something crappy and see if we can make a quick buck. I hope that it just pushes them out so we can get some stability and some, you know, regulation around Airbnb so we can go do what we're good at. Exactly. I, I agree. I, uh, I saw a video from Jeremy Worden who was on your podcast before and, uh, you know, he made a video about saying that he was kind of, he was kind of ticked off about it. And, you know, again, like for, for good reason, because there are going to be people who try to take it, guests who try to take advantage of that. But like you said, again, you know, I think it, it, it is definitely going to incentivize higher quality products, definitely. which, it, it, which is what it needs to be anyways. You know, if you're going to this is hospitality. Yep. Hospitality shouldn't be shitty. Yep. Yeah. And if you're not prioritizing those guests, you're not going to, you're not going to have the end results you want. I mean, you've got to put them first and, and in turn, it'll, your pocket, your wallet will thank you. (laughs) Exactly. It's all, it's almost like, Hey, all you got to do is the right thing and life will reward you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is no like cutting corners here. It just is what it is. Your, your offering is exactly what it is and you're going to, you're going to get exactly what you deserve. So if exactly. that's and and to be honest, I mean, I think people are so worried about malicious guests. And in my experience, I mean, in the last two and a half years that these properties have been running, I have had, I mean, under five guests that have been very blatantly malicious. And I mean, they do exist, right? Like I had that one guest, and I'm one thousand percent positive that the she, fish? yeah, that she was the one who did the fish, like. 
the guest previous was just like five stars. Like this is the best thing I've ever had. Like we love it. We'll be back. Like why would we put a fish in there? Yeah. And then this next guest were like offering her another Airbnb to move into, offering to comp her stay, offering to like clean her space three times, offering to purchase her like uh, air fresheners, offering to pay for her dinner. Like just really trying to put some big band aids over. I would be mad as hell if there was a dead fish in my unit, like not assuming that it was her. And she just wasn't having any of it. She was like, nope, nope. I don't want the other unit. The other unit is unacceptable. I I would like to eat dinner here and not have to go out to eat because it smells like fish. I guess I'll go buy a meal. Like just being really rude about it, even though we were like, no, that was definitely her then. (laughs) And I'm like, like it will happen no matter how good of an experience you offer. But Again, it's not going to put you out of business. And what it is going to do is put your competition that's dragging all of us down out of business, which so be it. If that's the price we have to pay, that's the price we have to pay. Yep. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. So how is Dow B&B going? Is it going well? Give us an update on that. It's going. (laughs) It's going. It's it's going. So we've, we've signed our first, we signed our first leases. Okay. Uh, we did that on Sunday. That's uh, the issue. The issue with Dow BNB, right, is like it's crypto moves like one day in crypto might as well be three years. <laughs> OK, you know, it moves so fast. And so if you're not producing results now, people are like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You know, and so the issue that we've been running into is like, why do we not have 50 units yet? We're, we're one, we're two people. <laughs> we're, we're two people. Calm down. And the issue, like our mint didn't go as well as we hoped it would be. It, it would. Uh, and we're not making excuses here, but you know, we were like, with the amount of, with the amount of NFTs that we're going to sell, the best case scenario, we're going to have a fund of $9 million. Mm-hmm. With $9 million, you can do a lot of things. Right. And then we factor in, we're like, all right, what's worst case scenario? We, we can't just sit here and hope that we're going to have $9 million and sell out and all this. What's worst case scenario? Like worst case scenario, we have $3 million in the bank. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That would have been great if we had $3 million <laughs> in the bank, you know? And uh, that's not what it was. We had a very poor mint. And so we have, you know, limited funds is a good way, mm-hmm. of, you know, so... You know, with people with people who are wanting us to go boom, 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 and have fifty properties already, it's like, hey, we only have enough money for fifty properties right now. Like that's we can get fifty properties, and we'll be out of money. Yeah, and we will have to rely on the cash flow. Yep. And so it's like we need to be smart about this. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't just go when we had nine million when we had nine million dollars, we could afford to go pick up. 20 units at a time and if like four or five of them don't really perform very well that's okay right we need to now focus on getting properties that are going to cash flow yep that are going to where the numbers are like the numbers are good the building is good the area is good we can make it an experience we've got to rely on properties that are going to make money or we are not going to be a business anymore right we're gonna run out of money and so that has been that's been the biggest challenge is finding quality properties that are going to make money, and that's why we're not scaling as fast as we want to because we would love we've turned down properties, right? We've turned down like here's five, and we're like, ah, 
no. Yeah. No. Uh, but so we've, we've transitioned like, Hey, we need to get one off, like big one off properties. So yeah. we signed the lease for a three bedroom. Uh, it's actually a triplex. It's two, three bedrooms and a studio. Uh, we signed the lease for one and as they become available, we're going to take those and then really nice property. Today I'm going to see a five bedroom house, you know, so between those two properties, you know, that can net us anywhere between, you know, eight to 10,000, eight to $12,000 a month. Right. Off two proper, two separate properties. Right. You know, and people aren't going to like that because like, well, we, we want this because the, the big part of the Dow is that you can stay in these properties for free. Right. That's, you know, but at the end of the day, it's also, it's also like, Hey, the profit sharing system, like you're going to be making money, money off these properties. Yeah. Don't say that. So <laughs> yeah. would you rather make the money or stay in them? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we need to focus on getting the good quality pro- uh, properties that are going to actually make the money. And then people are, you know, it's going to be one of those things, sorry about it, where people are just got to suck it up. You know, yeah. we're building, we are building an actual real estate business here. Right. Right. And- actual big businesses take a while to, to grow. Yeah. We're doing the work. We're fine. We're getting the leads. We're getting the properties. It's just not as fast as everybody wants it to be. Yeah, the real world moves a little bit slower than the digital world. So <laughs> give Correct. us a minute. And so we actually, and and the thing is, and one of the things about it is, you know, a lot of these people don't know what what arbitrage entails, and it's like we had uh, five properties in Louisville where we are on lock. Like we made the call, we did the tours. Like, yep, yeah, everything's good to go. Everything's good to go. He was like, I'm going on vacation for a week starting tomorrow. He said, I'm going to be out of commission. I'm going on a cruise. I'm not going to have my phone. When I get back, we'll get all the paperwork settled. Fantastic. So people are like, I thought we had these properties on Louisville locked down. Well, the guy is gone. <laughs> like, we can't do anything for a week. So yeah. chill. We're going to go do all these other things. These are on lock. Yeah. Comes back after vacation. He's like, you know, I thought about it. I don't want to do it anymore. We're like, <sighs> bro. Bro, bro, you know, you can't do that to it. You can't do that. You can't do that. Right. <laughs> and so, but it's, that's the stuff, you know, but that's the stuff that we have to deal with in the arbitrage world is, you know, we're on other people's time. Like they, they are holding the ticket. Right. And we have to convince them to give us the ticket, you know? So people are like, we thought we'd have, we thought we would have leases signed by now. It's like, hey, you don't understand like the negotiation process, the talking them in process, the paperwork process, the corporate aspect of things, anyways, takes time. Right. You know, and then we're finding out, okay, as we're going into other states, we have to register like with some states, we have to register as a whole ass business in that state, Yeah. you know? And so that process takes time. And then, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a lot of stuff, the, the, the learning curves of starting a startup business yeah. that you just weren't prepared for part of, it. you know, yeah. got to roll with it, got to pivot, got to pivot, got to yeah. do something else. And so you- that's, that's where we're at. Do you think that you guys are ever going to get into purchasing properties or do you think you'll stick with the arbitrage model? We would love to purchase properties. And I'm actually, I want to, I want to purchase properties personally and like donate them to the Dow. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that'd be a good double whammy for Bryce Garris as an individual. Right. Um, and so purchasing properties, yes, we would want to, but like right now with the funds that we have, we could, we could go buy a house mm-hmm. right now. Congratulations. We just spent all our money on one property. <laughs> Right. You know, so eventually we would love to do that, but we just can't right now. Yeah. Yeah. And at those beginning stages, I mean, we're learning that in Superhost Labs too. Like, 
I'm not the numbers girl. <laughs> it's just never been my role. Like I'm the yeah. I'm the creative and I'm the the engine that's going to be pulling all of us into a direction because I can't even see the downside, right? So Exactly. Like I'll keep the wheels turning, but I need you all to be like checking my work. <laughs> um and so being in Superhost Labs and dealing with investors and dealing with other people's money, it's been such an eye opener because I guess I was under this impression that you know, you see these insane Airbnbs like giant tree houses or the invisible house in Joshua Tree or or yeah. like row builts, tiny homes everywhere. And you just assume that the more unique the space, the more effort you put into the space, the higher return that that property will have. And that's not those two things don't correlate. It really is like a, a case by case scenario. And you have to look at like some of these properties, they require no amenities at all. It's just in a weird market where you can put beds in there and you don't have a lot of competition and yep. it's going to have an insane return. And then there's other markets where you have to literally spend every single blood, sweat and tears that you've got on it to make it even viable to run in the 95th percentile. Right. And it's all over the board. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters at the beginning when you're dealing with investors money's money is the numbers and do they make sense and is it super profitable and so because apparently the analytical people don't like just hearing oh no it's gonna work <laughs> i'm like that's not enough for you like what <laughs> that's, it. that's like enough for me someone's like hey you'll make this amount of money okay okay we'll try it out like Here. and it, it comes from a place of like okay well what's the worst that can happen for us right but yeah but that's not how the rest of the world functions and so it really is a game of like taking mitigated risks and understanding what, you know, the, the country as a whole is doing and how do we responsibly yep. deploy money and, and all of those things. And it's, it's so valuable to learn. I'm so thankful that we're going through this process because I'm getting to learn a lot. Um, but holy cow, it's just so, it's so much different than how I operated at the beginning or you operated yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> I'm, st I'm still in that. I'm still like, bro, let's just, Let's just go. Let's just go. Like, because like, that is that is a big. My biggest pet peeve in this world is are the people who are the overthinkers, the overanalyzers, the people who just try to be safe. Like, look both ways and all that stuff. Like, no, like just just go make a decision. Right. Make a fucking decision. Right. You know. So that's that's that is my biggest pet peeve, and like it's something that I'm having to learn to get over personally. Mm -hmm. Because people like people are not like us, right? Where they're just like, let's, let's fucking go. They have to look at every bit, every little thing, every little detail. I'm like, are you done right. yet? Are you done yet? <laughs> like, are we on board yet or no? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the the number you have. To, so that's part of the learning curve, though. As you as we grow, is getting to the people with the money who want to invest to break down everything. Like, hey, this is. This is because it's they have to win at the end of the day. You're using their money, so you do have to appeal to them. It's just like it's just like an Airbnb, you know, so designing it. Like you can't just give a slapdash product. You have to give a quality product to the guests. You have to give a quality product to the person whose money you're going to be using. It's all, you know, it's yeah. all hospitality, I guess, making sure everybody's taken care of. Yeah, yeah, and then the component of you know, offering them a place to stay. Like we're, we're having those conversations internally as well, where, you know, all of our investors or not all of them, but some of them really want the lifestyle component added with investing with us. And so they're like, of course, we want to give you money. We see the value in Airbnb. We don't have the time to learn it. So we want to invest it with you, but 
you know, in these properties that we own portions of, can we also utilize them for our vacations? And, you know, it's, it's like when you've got a property where you've got a pool of investors and let's say, you know, 50 people all own a portion of this property, like, and you want to, you and your family who own one fiftieth of it, 50th of it wants to stay there 4th of July weekend. We're like, no, no, eh, <laughs> that's not how that works. But still, is there like some sort of a happy medium, right? Is there a way that we can, we can one, just utilize their money and make their money grow. But two, is there a way that we can pair it with maybe lower returns, but there is a utility factor to it? Like, We don't know yet, right? Like, we don't have the answers either. We're, like, kind of sorting out and running, you know, analytics on what that looks like long term and what's worst case scenario and best case scenario because that's what people want. You know, people want to be able to invest in something that's cool and also go and use it. Like, how cool would it be to walk into a property where you handed someone 25 grand and you're like, I own part of this. I could have never done this alone and I own part of this and now I'm getting to, like, make memories with my family in this thing that I invested in. I just yep. think that would be invaluable, but that's, it just gets really sticky really fast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, the, and that's the thing when, when they want to use it, cause that is the cool thing about Airbnb is like, I can make money on this and use it, mm-hmm. but you know, you, people do want to use it. Like you said, 4th of July weekend, like, ah, that's like a, that's a premium day. Like right. we, we want to make the day we want to make the money. So with uh with our dow though you know that is that's that was a concern for us we we were when we were debating like when we were setting everything up we were like are we gonna allow are we gonna do blackout days Mm -hmm. because you know we're we're offering free stays but if we have a property in louisville kentucky during the weekend of the kentucky derby where we can go make a thousand dollars a night people are gonna be in there that's gonna hurt us bad yeah but like well <laughs> I know we needed their money to start, so how bad does it hurt? <laughs> right. So it's 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 a it's definitely a decision that we really battled with, but we're like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, we'll try it. We'll try, we'll, it we'll try it until it fails. We'll we'll try we'll try it until it fails. Until like, hey, we're we're losing money. Blackout. Like, we're not letting you stay during the cool plate during the cool times. No. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. There has to be a line that's drawn. Also, it's one of my biggest, well, not one of my biggest goals, but one of my bucket list items is to go to that Kentucky Derby. And when I go, I'm going to end up staying in your spot. So (laughs) please book it three years in advance. I know, I need to. I want to wear the the big hat and the big poofy dress and do the whole thing. It's a great, it's a great time. It's a great time. Like the whole, the city is, the city is vibrant. There's a lot, there's so much stuff going on. Money's being made. If you can't make, $5,000 $5,000 that weekend, you didn't try, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, it, it really is crazy. Like I booked, I, I said, I have a one bedroom apartment downtown Louisville. I'm like four miles away from the track back in September. I put my price at like $900 a night during that week. And I got a book in September. <laughs> I, like, I should have made $2,000 a night. What was I doing? <laughs> Damn it. It was priced too low. <laughs> And so, but you know, that's a, that's a, that's how big the Kentucky Derby is. People are willing to spend nine hundred dollars a night for a, a one bedroom apartment yeah. nine months in advance. Yep, I believe like, it. Oh, bro. Never mind. Bro. I'm gonna bring my van and I'll be parked on the street outside bring of your one. <laughs> you can park it. You can park it right outside my house. Yes. I keep telling Superhost Labs, I'm like, I really feel like it would be great for marketing if you guys would wrap my van in Superhost Labs colors and we could just drive it around. They're that not be good marketing. They're not biting yet. They're like, we don't have the money for that yet. I'm like, okay, 
Well, when we do, I'll be knocking on your well, door. When again. we do, let's do it. <laughs> marketing is a market. We should spare no expense when it comes to marketing. The, the more marketing, the better. Honestly, that's how I feel. <laughs> so, talk to me about your long-term goals. Like now that you've kind of you've got the first year under your belt, you see it as something that you want to con- continue pursuing. Like, what is what is the big picture here? What's the five and ten year goals? I stopped setting goals. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't set goals anymore. Uh, I especially don't. I I take that back. I set goals. I just I don't put time frames on them. Okay. There there's been there's been too many instances where it's like by this time I need to have this. I need to have that. And all it does is create anxiety and like fuck. I'm not blah 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 blah. You know. So I stop putting time frames on stuff. My ultimate goals with my life, like I want to attack life, mm-hmm. right? I want to do everything. And the thing about that is like, cause I've noticed like if I put my, if I actually put my mind to something, I can do it really well. Mm-hmm. And so I do have goals outside of real estate, but it's, it took me. Okay. Here's a great story. It took me three times to pass my real estate exam. Okay. And the second time I failed it, I was having lunch with my brother-in-law and I was like, dude, I don't know. Like you talked me into this. I've already spent a thousand dollars. I'm not, I really don't feel like I'm going to pass this test. I was like, if I fail it one more time, I'm not taking it anymore. And I'm going to do what I've wanted to do since I was 16 years old, which is walk across the country. Okay. And he was like, okay, well, let's be, let's, he said, I'm all for you walking across the country, Bryce. I'm all for it. But let's do it responsibly. He was like, responsible. I was like, responsible is not me i don't do things responsibly right and he was like i know and look where that's gotten you mm-hmm. and i was like like true <laughs> damn <laughs> it checkmate <laughs> and so he was like i'm all for you walking across the country how can we break it down in a re- how can we do it in a responsible way he was like but the next five years of your life are putting time frames on it but i took the time frames out he's like you do you bust your ass the next five years you have all this passive income coming. Then you can walk across the country, be paid while doing it, miss nothing, and then come back to money still being made. As opposed to if you walked across the country now, you do it, you finish, and then what? Right. And I was like, figure, fucking figure it out. You know what I'm saying? He's like, go back to sleeping on the couch. (laughs) Go back to sleeping on the couch. Yeah. And he was like, Bryce, come on. Like, I was like, all right, fair. That's a good compromise. So my long-term goal is I want to have it build enough steady income because I don't give a shit about real estate. I don't, I really don't. Mm -hmm. I'm not money voted. I'm not money motivated. Although I understand its importance because I don't want to be rich. I don't want, I don't care because at the end of the day, it's like, am I cool up here? And like right now, I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life right now. I'm still not cool up there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I want to get to a point where I'm like, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the money. I have enough money where I can live my type of lifestyle, but I'm cool. uh, And I'm, but I'm not worried about it. And I want to build up enough passive income streams to where I can just kind of fuck off for the next six months and not to just, not to vacation, not to do nothing, but to go and attack the things that I want to do to go and do the other things. And some of the things that I want, that I really want to accomplish in my life, I want to walk across the country that I've wanted to do that for years. It's never left my mind. I'm not going to be satisfied until I do it. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. I want to write a TV show. 
and I want to write a book, which I'm actually. Oh no, you're breaking up. I heard TV show. What about the TV show? (laughs) Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh yeah. So walk across the country. Have to do it. Okay. Write a TV show. Okay. Have to do it. I'm already working on it. What type of TV show? Sci-fi horror comedy. Oh, okay. I love parody. I love parodies, like scary, like scary movie. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I kind of ripped that off. I made, I, I make the concept is scary show. Okay. Where you, where you kind of rip off some some TV, some other TV shows, but like kind of like indirectly. Yeah. Um. But I've been working on that for three years. That's so once cool. I got once like once I got busy with like Airbnb and stuff, I put that on the back burner. Like I can pick this back up once I'm once I can. Right. I want to write a book as well. I love writing. Really? Yeah, it's, me too. It's it's, I, it's it's very nice. It's therapeutic to get all your thoughts out of your head. Mm-hmm. Helps and you so sleep I better. Want to write a book. I want to write. I want to write a book, which I'm actually working on that right now actively. It's an Airbnb book, and the title is like pretty much everything you need to know about rental arbitrage and how to manage a successful air short-term rental business as a whole. Long title. That's the point. <laughs> right. It's and like so, the seven second video on TikTok. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so it's, I'm, I want to write that because I feel like that could be like one thing that I produce mm-hmm. where I never, I, which I make it one time, sell it for like 10, 15 bucks at a time. People, it's literally everything you need to know. Right. Here. And so instead of me taking phone calls and mentorships and making a course, it's buy the book. Yep. Buy the book. And so I want to do that. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like that's my like, my long term goal. Oh, and I, I want to marry Emma Watson. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. And and you can't. And I feel like in order to marry Emma Watson, you have to either be like really intelligent, which I'm not, or you have to be really rich. So I can make I can make one of those things happen at least. <laughs> or I feel like she would also be persuaded by meeting someone really interesting. I feel like that could be your twist. You could be rich and interesting. Rich and interesting is very, I, my idea, I want to be my like deep, my deepest, darkest fantasy is I want to be the guy who just got like a fucking billion dollars who just, but I want to be Adam Sandler rich and be like Adam Sandler where he just wears like basketball shorts and t-shirts all day. Yes. Even though he's got $500 million sitting in the bank. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And it's like, don't be flashy with it. Help people out. Like I would love that, but also have my colorful, my colorful personality. All that stuff too. <laughs> so, but yeah. Those are my long-term goals right there. Not even they're not even real estate related. It's like right. build up enough money with the real estate where I can go and do all the other stuff that I want to do with life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's a really common thread under there's it's like there's two real estate investors. There's one who's like got the Grant Cardone bug and they want to be a gazillionaire and they want to be in private jets and they want all the fancy things and this is the way that they're going to be able to fund it. They're like responsibly wealthy. But yeah. wealthy, like that's the focus. Yeah. And then there are people because I'm I'm on your train. I'm like, I just want to go scuba dive. I like I'm literally like ready to walk away from real estate and go back to serving because I thought serving was like the greatest gig in the entire world. I like I like the short, you know, stints with people. I like that the worst thing that you can yep. do is fuck up someone's food. Like, yeah, like there's no stress, right? It's like yep. in comparison to other careers, there just isn't a lot of stress. And so like, stick me on like a beach on a little tiny shack that like has, you know, th- three different meals that you can choose from and lots of margaritas. And like, let me sling those all day. <laughs> I'm, in. I'm in. 
I'm in. Yeah, I mean that's and that's the thing, and that's what really that's what Airbnb can provide you, right? Because four Airbnbs, one Airbnb, I mean literally one Airbnb can change your life. One Airbnb changed my life. Same. Same. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you just go get five of those, which is doable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I just had to replace my $50,000 a year job, right? Like that was my, my husband had built this insurance company, or I guess we had built it three years prior. And, um, and we built that into something that provided him some residual income. Uh, he sells Medicare. And so when you sell Medicare, you get like a small upfront payout. And then every single month after that, as long as the client is alive, because you're dealing with 65 plus, uh, you get right. $20 a month. And so as you you know get to a thousand clients, all of a sudden you've got a bunch of mon- money coming in every month. And so he was like, I'm going to retire you. Like 2021, I'm going to retire you. And I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> like, that sounds like a world of disaster. Like I'm too active. There's too much going on in this noggin up here. This noggin will get yep. very unhealthy very quickly if you want me to be yes. like a couch potato. I, I can't do it. Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, like the second we replaced that income and I got the four arbitrage properties and they were bringing in over $4,000 profit a month, like buy, like we, I mean, we dropped it all. He stopped selling insurance for four months. I stopped doing everything for four months and we just got in that van and went across the country. And it was like, it just felt, you know, when we were done, it was like, okay, now it's time to step back into real estate. Let's buy a property. Let's do it all again. But we're, we're operating operating out of a corner of happiness at peace low anxiety it's like we don't have to be doing this but we know how to do this to make our lives better and we just got done having all this fun and we're ready to go and do something productive again so let's let's do it and then let's go back to doing nothing again go have fun you do the job you go have fun you do the job you go have fun you know yeah it's 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 rinse and rinse and repeat at that time and like you said you're doing now you're doing it from a standpoint of chill well it took you six months to get that lake house right yeah get that lake house ready like that entire time you probably could have got it done faster if you had to (laughs) yeah we definitely could have (laughs) you're you're sitting there like chilling living in the lake house in michigan like that sounds awesome yeah it was like do we want to tile the bathroom walls or do we want to cook chili and sit by the fire (laughs) chili and fire (laughs) chili and fire right right so i mean there it's a lot of work to bring them to life but it's like Okay, six months of hard work, and all of a sudden we've got a you know four to eight thousand dollar raise a month. Like shit, like nobody's giving you a raise at your nine to five that's going to compete with that, and you have to work twelve months out of a year. And now you're building equity in that house; you can sell it, sell it in ten years for six hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like real estate has given me this like freedom to actually go, like actually live my life to the fullest. Like I don't have to, I don't have to say no to anything. I can say yes to everything. And I get to be super selective with where we spend our time and what, where we spend our money. And, and, but with that being said, like if I was fancy, there are, there's like five days a year where I want to just go blow some stupid money on something expensive. Like I'm not completely t-shirts and, uh, and hand-me-downs all the time. Like 360 days out of the year, you'll catch me in a hoodie, in a hat, no frills, but five days a year, I'm like, I will take $4,000 and spend it on a yacht for one afternoon. <laughs> like you can convince me to do that. I have not gotten to that point yet. <laughs> I don't think I ever will. Like I, this was $3 and 17 cents. Yeah. And I swiped my card and went. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I fast that. I'm like, you know what? No, 
no, I'm not, I will not accept that anxiety in my life. You know what? It's money. It comes and it goes. And if I want to do the thing and I have the money to do the thing, I'm doing it. But most of the time, the thing that I want to do is like pretty, uh, low maintenance. <laughs> pretty, see, okay. Yeah. I mean, low maintenance, right? Like I do have, like, I do have kind of an interesting backstory to my life. I've, you know, partied and, you know, I've lived in Hollywood and, you know, F- Florida and, live that life and all that stuff. I've been to all those parties and stuff like that. And I be, I came to the realization I was at a, I was in a, it was like a big Hollywood Hills party. And I'm like, I'm 19 years old. I shouldn't be there. (laughs) Shouldn't be there. And I'm like walking around like, Oh yeah. Like if everybody from back home knew that I was here, they would like Bryce, that's so cool. And I was like, Oh, I obviously don't want to be here. I just want everybody to think I'm cool. And yeah. so I was like, why I was like, why am I really here right now? And so I once I broke that down, I was like, I don't even like anybody here. Who do I know here? And so I was like, I don't know that I was like, I, I was like, I was like that girl is like really sexy. I'm too I'm not gonna go talk to her. She's I'm too scared to do that. So I was like, <laughs> what am I doing here? And so and so uh I came to the realization that once I found my people. I was very like, I found one friend and I was like, all I want to do is like hang out with you. If I'm with you, I'm cool. We could be, we could be anywhere. So once I found my one friend in Los Angeles, we always hung out. We went to In-N-Out Burger every day and like played and played PlayStation three and like worked on, you know, anything together Yeah. outside of work. And so it was, you know, once I, so once I came to that realization, I, I got out of the mindset of like, I want to go to all these cool parties. I want to do all these cool things like for like Instagram purposes mm-hmm. and just kind of mm-hmm. like be around the people that I want to be around. And that's, that has opened up. A, that has helped me a lot. Yeah. It's and more my, fulfilling. I guess my, and guess, and guess my quest for money is what do I want this money to do? So I guess another thing in, the, in terms of long term, I end up, I want to end up becoming the bank. Okay where I can take a person like me and be like, Hey, you want to do this? Here's $200,000 to get you started. Yeah. You know, that's what I would love to do because I do have a guy in my life now because of TikTok, by the way, who reached out to me from Louisville. He was like, I'm sitting on about $800,000 cash. I don't want to put it into a conventional market. I like you. I see what you're doing. I like your story. I want to help you. I want to help you get to that next level. Yep. And I'm like, Oh shit. (laughs) That hit me. I don't think that guy realizes the impact he's made on my, we haven't even made anything happen yet. Yep. But just through the friendship that we built and the, the, the fact that we're going to do something in the future, I'm like, that is, that is what I want to become. Yeah. And that's who seeks somebody out. is like, Hey, here's a life changing opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something to be said, too, about being on a platform where you get to be seen. You know, there are hundreds of people that are just like you who don't have a TikTok and they're looking for that that break. And I think that that's why, like, I'm starting to realize because it's, you know, it hasn't been that long that we've had a big following on TikTok. So this whole like social media influencer thing is like very new. Um, And we just Emily and I didn't 
you know, we always like admired other, we always have had our favorite influencers, right? That we have followed religiously. And we like have this relationship with this person that doesn't know that we exist. And there is like this kind of like whimsical, like scenario to that. Um, But we didn't think about all of the good things that would come from being seen. You know, it's not only that you're you or us are trying to add value to people's life. It's like this very easy way to freely give back to other people and try and make an improvement in somebody else's life. But all of a sudden it like starts improving your life because people see you, you know, and just being seen brings all these opportunities that you never would have had otherwise. Exactly. And that's been, for what my, for what TikTok has done for me is kind of, is definitely not what I expected it to do. Mm -hmm. Right. I am an, I am an intention whore. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Same. And so, And so, like, me making content was purely based off of, let me be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And I never thought anything would actually come of it. Right. Now that I, like, revert back to him, like, I do have quite the personality for a TikTok personality. So it was only a matter of time until it was going to happen. <laughs> but but I started making I started making the, the content as, like, real estate and, you know, watch the journey, blah, 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 blah. And it became Airbnb guy. I was I didn't start out as Airbnb guy. Right. You know, so it's kind of funny to see that transition of how it started with TikTok. And like you said, the, the opportunities that it has provided. Everything in my life that's happening right now is because, is because of TikTok. Right. Literally 100% of it. Right. Except like the Air, my, my personal Airbnb that I already have. Like the Dow BNB, TikTok. Mm-hmm. This guy who's like, here, I, I want to give you $800,000. TikTok. Like that stuff wouldn't happen without it. Yeah. Yeah. You need people. It's it's crazy to think about. Yeah. Oh, it's wild. It's just, yeah. I mean, again, like Carwell design was a means to an end and we just didn't know how it was going to end or how we were going to transition into a new wave that made more sense. That was a better business model where we had some support because your girl's not good at being a CEO all on her own, believe it or not. (laughs) Need help. (laughs) So so just in general, like just the the blessings that have come from TikTok just by showing up and being vulnerable and and trying to like just give people a peek of transparency into your actual life. Just it's it's scary at first. You're like, how are people going to receive me? How are like what are people going to think? And now to look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, if we wouldn't have gotten over that hurdle and just started putting it out there for the world to consume, like all of the opportunities that we never would have had presented to us. It's just terrifying. I'm like, I'm oh, like absolutely. screaming to every small business. I'm like, please get on TikTok. Like, please, I don't care what That's, you're yeah. saying. Get on what TikTok. Was, what, what, what was your first, what was your first video? I have a question. What was your first video that ever like popped off? And did you, when you made it, were you like, this is going to be the video that pops off? Oh, uh, no, no and no. Um, the first video that put us on the map, it was by mistake. <laughs> Um, it had nothing to do with the content that I was putting out. So at first I wasn't doing any educational or motivational stuff at all. And so I was just, what we would do is we were, you know, rapidly doing these arbitrage units. We'd get them done in a week's time. And so every week I'd have a video of like the before and after of a one bed, one bath unit. And so I was designing for this, um, super nice woman in Dallas and, she wanted this like very extravagant black and white stripes, murals everywhere, neon signs design. Um, and so I had hired a local lady to create a neon sign for me that said, stay a while. 
And I put the stay a while sign on the back wall of the dining room. Well, the neon sign said, now looking back, it's it's a mis- like it's misspelled. It says stay, A, and then underneath it says while, instead of a while is one word, right? So it's broken up. It looks funny. It's spelled wrong. Regardless, when I posted it on TikTok, great take. Someone commented about it. Someone commented about it, and it's just like it's one tiny clip out of the whole video showing the whole entire unit. But the the clip is so quick, and because it's misspelled, it looks like it says "stay white." (laughs) (laughs) It was so. It was so bad. It was so bad. It like it popped up. I get a half a million views on it. And the comment section is like, everyone is like just roasting me. They're like, you're racist. Like, why would you put that? Like all of and I was like, I'm at a bar. I'm like had I'm like two pitchers of mimosas deep. So I'm like two sheets to the wind and I open up my phone after having like four followers and I look and it's like all of a sudden I have thousands of followers and just like a sea of hate comments and I'm like what have I done <laughs> like what have I- <laughs> it was terrible and so that is hysterical it was so I was like oh my gosh I'm like we're gonna have to release like an apology video like what it like uh, I spelled something wrong like all the things so and the lady who we were designing for was African-American. And so it was like an extra layer of like, just like chaos. And so like she had seen the video, she saw the comments, the lady who made the neon sign was also African-American. And she's like, what? Like, this what is, it turned into a whole thing. It was just, it was such like that a rude terrible. introduction into like any sort first, of TikTok clout at all. Me, uh, but now we all, me, like all three like, of us look back on it and we're like, you know what? Whatever. I <laughs> can put us on the map. Are we good now? <laughs> yeah, that was miserable. <laughs> um Oh no, you're breaking up again. Hello. Come back. All right. Well, we're having a bunch of technical difficulties seeing Bryce was in his car. (laughs) But um, we were going to wrap up anyway. We got through all the questions. So for our listeners, if you um, do not or are not familiar with Bryce on TikTok, please go check him out there. It's at Bryce Garris. We will drop it below. Um, If you are interested in his DAO BNB project that he's working on where he's putting some utility behind an NFT, please go check that out as well. We will link um, how to get connected with him there below. And then if you are looking to connect with us, um, we are at Superhost Labs on all social media platforms or at the Carwells at all, on all social media platforms as well. Um, so please connect with us and, and get plugged into our community and get started in the Airbnb journey. But thank you so much for listening again. This has been a really insightful Um, episode. I love hearing Bryce's story and how other people get involved in Airbnb and short-term rentals and his especially um, just goes to show that really anyone truly can get involved as long as you put your mind to it. So um, thank you, Bryce, even though you were in your car and unable to hop on and say goodbye out to everyone. Uh, But thank you again, listeners, for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. See you later.